0: Listen to me, listen to my words, as they vanish, let's go chase the sun. To the Dead Podcast. Oh my God. I have missed you. I don't know if you have missed me, but still, I have missed you. I am your host, Justin Warsham, with me as sometimes is no one. I am by myself, solo. Lots to talk about. I feel like it's been uh, two or three weeks. I don't know. So if you're listening this via catch-up, you don't notice. But if you're one of those fantastic people who waits for these things to come out or uh, listens live, as some of you are right now, I appreciate you, and I apologize. Things have been bananas crazy getting ready for the Handle Anniversary Show. That is behind us. All of that is done. So I am excited for that. Today, as I'm recording this, is my lovely son, Jacob's eighth birthday. And uh, so lots of uh, nostalgia watching him grow up in the state of California. I don't know if it's like this everywhere. He no longer needs a car seat. So it is now okay for him to experience some kind of injury in a car crash. Knock on wood, he said insensitively. Uh, So that's exciting. And I have time because of so many stories to tell you that uh, I decided, hey, I'm going to jump in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an episode. I am only 37 years old. And I say only because I know that there are people who are older that listen to the show. And I think that we all would agree that 37 is not old. But for those of you who have seen photos on of me via the interweb, most of them probably not the newest photos, I have a lot of gray hair. And... The hmm, how to say this? <laughs> the response I've gotten as of late has been very disconcerting. So let's go back chronologically. This all happened over the last I don't know couple weeks. It first started the very first moment that I realized that I was not aging well was when this is years ago though. Is uh, I did a standup show in my hometown of Modesto, California. Eh? And a guy that used to live up the street from me and we'd played some Pop Warner football and some high school football together came in to see me and didn't recognize me and just blurted out, oh my God, you got fat, which at the time was like, oh, and I did. I mean, I was real skinny as a kid. And I've talked about on this show about uh, Natalie's love for giving me apple fritters. I've seen a tweet about that. And, uh, and I made joke about that. And I don't have... I don't think it's a ton of insecurity. I mean, clearly it's not enough for me to put down an apple fritter, right? But it's enough for that it notices it. Um, anyway, the the reason I bring this all up is I went with some friends. I'm trying to think if this was the first example. Yes. I've told the story about this is a, also when uh, Jack was a baby, about my mother-in-law saying that my hair looks so... Oz. Beautiful. And it's when she first noticed I had a lot of gray hair. A couple weeks ago, a dear friend of mine is getting married. And uh, we did like a Vegas bachelor party. And we went to a cabana at Tao Beach at the Venetian for any of you who are familiar. If you're not familiar, what I would like you to do is I would like to uh, have you go into your car and turn on whatever hip-hop station is in your local area and turn it up as loud as possible and then invite someone that you have not had a conversation with probably in five years, three years, somewhere around there, maybe even some of a decade if they're handy, and then proceed to try to interact with them while that music is on full blast. I don't know if any of you have ever been or had that time in your life where you were into that but i just it's not my scene i of course wasn't a putz i wasn't a stick in the mud i went there i had a good time but just the, you know it's that's and i like edm music i'll play a little bit before the show if you listen live at mixlr.com dad podcast it's not that i hate the music it's just the idea of it being so effing loud that i can't even have a conversation with people And then there's a lot of people much younger than I am uh, that are kind of blatantly having what I call junior high sex in front of everyone. They're just rubbing their asses and their genitals all over each other, which just generally makes me feel older, just being in the presence of that, that I'm just like, really? Like, the reason why you dry hump at junior high is because I imagine you're not ready to go to that next level, and it feels kind of good. Uh, Unless you accidentally are chafing yourself up against your zipper or you know what I mean? Like it's because there isn't an alternative, but I feel like we, when you're in your mid twenties and you're at a pool, you're already in a bathing suit and now you're just grinding up uh, and you're in public. Like, I don't know. Am I that uptight that I just look at that and go, and I can't. But here is the thing: there is also an element that makes me a creeper because I can't stop watching. It's like a fucking car crash. I just sit there and go, "What are these people doing?" But I feel my my swim trunks were rising up to sternum level. I feel like my posture was becoming even more slouched, and I was coming very close. You kids, get out of my pool and turn the damn music down. So we did that, and then eventually we end up in the other pool. Which is just like a hangout pool. And guess what? Delightful time. There's no oops, oops, oops. So loud you can't talk. Uh, nobody's trying to fuck each other uh, through their swimsuits in the pool. And you can have a nice conversation. And you can still order drinks. And it's outstanding. It's good times. But uh, I went to talk to these friends and some friends. Natalie was supposed to come with me, but my parents couldn't stay and watch the kids. So I went solo. And so people were asking, you know, how Natalie, how are the kids? And I was talking about my lovely bride and I'll get into that after I get done talking about this. Uh, And these, I showed them a picture, which is on the dad podcast, Facebook page, facebook.com slash dad podcast. If you want to peruse it, there's a picture of me essentially taking Natalie to what is our senior prom. And I posted it because I always thought the picture was kind of uh, funny. It's a very, it's a very, it's, not an, it's a rare glimpse into my feelings for my lovely bride, where even at an early age, where at that point, we had maybe been dating a few months, maybe two or three. And I am just hooked, man. I am locked in on this chick, and I am smitten. And I find it adorable because I look back at the history we've had. And it's a long history. We're going on two decades next year. And I showed that picture to some friends. <laughs> These people who don't really know me that well, had a visceral response to say, Oh my God, you actually used to look good. That was that's a that's a verbatim quote. Now, here's the thing. I'm not gonna sit up here and honestly try to sincerely tell you that I am a big bucket of handsome. I think if you were to include all of mankind, right, in a one to ten scale, I'd put myself in a six, maybe a five. I'm a I'm above average. When I get up in the mirror. Do I wish I was uh, 20 pounds lighter? Sure. Who, who doesn't amongst us? And if you don't, good for fucking you, right? Killing it. But I don't also, I'm not net generally appalled by the man looking back at me in the mirror. But what I find more curious than my security with my own looks is the idea that somebody could just literally say to you that at one point in your life, you were attractive. And I know my mind is kind of wired like a chick, and so I, of course, extrapolate that to mean that no longer you no longer you are attractive. You are attractive no longer, he said Yoda-wise. But, but is there another way I, I could take that, where it's like, you used to look good. Now, these are supposed to be sitcom-type situations where the Ophi husband, who has no idea how to talk to his wife... Uh, accidentally says, you know, some backhanded compliment. No, this is just a – they see a picture of me at 17 and go, oh, my God, you used to look good. Uh, so there was that. Uh, then smash cut to where I was at a grocery store. Oh, that was what it was. There are people at work who come by – and they see a picture of my lovely bride. I have a little picture that she took. I was on the road, and she had to go to her company Christmas party by herself, and they had a photographer there. And so she took a picture by herself of her holding a little, like, napkin from the dinner and, like, doing a little flirty pose. And I used to keep it here in the studio. Now that I have an office, I keep it there. And it's a very adorable picture of my wife. And I've made no bones. My wife is smoking, okay? She is a smoking hot babe. And I would find you would, I think... In all honesty, I know that uh, I've had people on the show give me shit about that. I think you would be hard-pressed to find a husband who does not look at his wife and find her hot. I, I just, I think that we live in a world where, unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, women can be moms and they can uh, shit out a couple kids and they could just kind of exist in a, in a level of insecurity that isn't real. It's not even unjust. It's just not real. The mom's listening to the show. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Let the man see you naked. Let go of that insecurity and you'll see what his monkey brain does. It's you're, you're all fucking hot. Trust me. But to get back. So people will come into the office and they'll see the picture of my lovely bride and they will say, wait, that's your, they stop. They stop dead in their tracks and do a double take to my desk and go, that's your wife. And then I say, yes. Now, When they say, because I know that some of you are already, you know, firing up the Twitters or the emails to go, well, hold on. They're just giving a compliment to your wife, you narcissistic fuck. No, but if they just stopped to go, that's your wife? And then that was the end of it, or like gave me a thumbs up or even a high five would be kind of creepy and weird. I just don't, I don't get that. But if they, when they do lap two of really, like, And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. They look at me, and then they look back to the photo for confirmation, then look back to me and say, really? Like, how are you supposed to process that in any other way? Like, how did... So in this movie, Quasimodo gets to bang Esmeralda. Holy balls. It really can happen. Um, Then... I ran into uh, a friend of mine. Now, here's the thing. Uh, she may listen to the show, and I want to make this very clear. I took nothing personal. This is more, nothing more than an observation, and I think it's humorous, honestly. Uh, I'm walking into the grocery store. I see an old friend of mine's wife, and she says, hey, and I say, hey. And it's one of those things where you know she's already got her groceries. She's trying to bolt. And uh, she feels because we haven't seen each other a while that, you know, you have that thing where you kind of want to talk and you and you would like to. But you got, you know, she's like, I got milk in the car. I got to run. I'm like, oh, no, no worries. You know, but she goes and then she does the obligatory. Oh, you look great. And I say, oh, you look great, too. And then she goes, she said, I I wish that it, it didn't bother me. And I kind of gave her like a RCA dog, you know, how the dog will stare at a TV making a funny noise or if he sees a dog on the top, tilt the head. And and she goes, you know, she goes, I have I color mine. And she kind of grabs at her hair. She says uh, she goes, but you're you're totally fine with that. It doesn't bother you. And I said, no, no, I don't. She goes, is it liberating? (laughs) Is it? It's that thing where all of a sudden I'm supposed to be a guy, right? Who's not supposed to worry about his clothes or his really appearance. I'm a, I'm a husband and a father, and, I mean, yes, I, there was no purpose. I for again for the moms that listen, I don't I don't really think as a husband you really make an effort to let yourself go per se. Just like it's it comes with a different stigma. I honestly don't think that the moms. Uh, They have kids and then and it's considered letting yourself go. It's not. I wish that we could get over this kind of like physical hang up that we have. I mean, as much as I'm sitting here saying it doesn't bother me. And I mean it. This isn't a defense mechanism. I mean it. I find it funny because, again, I'm, I'm looking at it through the mirror. I don't. I don't see myself as a as a Quasimodo, but clearly I should. Like, I, I, I seem to be the person who doesn't quite understand how unattractive they are, which is a whole other level of amusement that I get out of it. But it's just so funny that we seem to have this big hang-up about it. And how does it really matter? I hope I'm not sounding soapboxy or heavy-handed on this, but I just feel like, Yes, uh, Jessica just said the chat room, gray is cheaper and it's liberating. Like, here's the thing. Why do, you, why do we care so much about getting old? Why is that such a thing? It is so, I could tell you from firsthand experience, and I'm only 37, so maybe my mind will change when I turn uh, 60, 70, whatever the new old is. I feel like I always look at people that I see as old, and I, by that I'm mean probably going to throw late 80s. That's that to me is when you have lived a life beyond your expectation of living, you know what I mean? Uh, that's then I think we could call you old. Other than that, it's mildly insulting. But what I always find interesting, it's a thing where um, I've seen, you know, you see pictures of your grandparents when they're young and it's kind of weird to see them look You know, that you even say like, wow, grandma, you were hot. You know, that kind of thing. You, you do that coy thing. Those are the same people, and the, their bodies have changed, but their brains are still the same. And it's curious, I'm curious to see how this whole senile thing works. Because part of me is starting to think that it's more of a practical joke. You get to play on other people when you get old because it's just but you know what I mean? It's just an ongoing urban legend. But in actuality, like you see an old man. There's a reason why a dirty old man is a dirty old man. And I think it's because there's a 22 year old brain still living in there who's a hornball. Right. Only now he's not held accountable by social conventions anymore because he knows he's got no chance. So I don't, I don't know if I'll be a dirty old man, but I will be a man who, if I see a pretty lady, I don't care how old she is. If she's in her mid, late 20s, I'll give her a wink, a little, you know what I mean? But to get back on point, so she says it's so liberating, and I had multiple people. Oh, let me go back to the work thing. So we did that Handle anniversary show. We have an after party. There's a, one of the salespeople is there. And she goes, She's got, and Natalie's with me for this. And she goes, wait, is that your wife? And she does the really. And then there was a lady who got extremely drunk at the after party. And I was walking her back to her car with a group. It wasn't just her and I. Natalie was walking with us. And I was slightly ahead. And then she goes, wait, is that your wife? Now, this is a drunk person. Now, to me, you hit a certain level of drunk and it becomes like our children. They become mouths of babes. And she says, that's your wife? I said, yeah. She goes, really? I said, yes, really. She goes, why is she so much hotter than you? And I didn't know what to say, so I made a joke. I said, that's because I'm a catch. But it is so funny to me that so many people would just be so comfortable with uh, talking to me about how unattractive I am. I don't know. I think it's silly. I don't think it makes sense. But I look forward to uh, maybe one day realizing how ugly I am. And there is the only thing that I would find sad. And I've talked to Natalie about this as a joke. And I think she more worries about my self-esteem in it. But she's like, she tries to say, no, no, listen, you're, you're hot. Like she does the thing, but there's something wrong. And I've talked to my therapist about this, uh, that I, I'm not wired to take compliments either. So it's the thing where, when she says it, I don't believe it, but I don't need to be hot, I guess I need to be appreciated. That's all I really need. I need to be loved and I need to be appreciated. And I'm going to touch on that uh, when we come back there for after what may or may not be this commercial message. All right. So the thing I wanted to talk about here is another thing that came up in the bachelor party where I was talking to one of the guys who was on the trip and his girlfriend was there and they were somehow it came up like the dynamic of our relationship. And by our, I mean, obviously mine and Natalie's. And I said this phrase. I said, "Listen, you know, a lot of people like to paint me as a chauvinist or whatever, but the reality of the situation is that in my marriage, I call the shots." And her visceral response was to go slack jawed and go, "Oh," and just be gasping at me at the audacity of my statement. And I think just just like it's it's another interesting thing about part of the social convention. She goes, "Are you sure?" is what she said to me. Are you sure that you are the one who calls the shots? Are you sure it's not just her letting you call the shots? And I said, no, I'm, I'm sure. Um, yeah, because I call the shots. I kind of stopped and thought about it. And what I find interesting is that everybody's mind always goes to, not, I'm sure you guys listening, and if you are listening and you're shocked, but listen, hear me out. But I think everybody's mind always goes to now all of a sudden I've got a wife beater on a hairy chest with a gold chain laying in it. And I'm like, yo, woman, where's my steak? Like, you know, and that's not what I'm saying. Why can't just like there are uh, there are moms that listen to this show that have jobs and unfortunately have to go through their lives with guilt because they have to work. Or maybe they don't have to. Maybe they want to work but then that makes them feel guilty because they're not home with their kids. And then there are moms who are stay-at-home moms and are either condescendingly referred to as heroes or they are looked down upon as, as not as important or that they gave up or that they're living an old-fashioned lifestyle. And it's all complete horseshit. Or there are dads that listen to the show who have wives that go out and make a great living and they are home with the kids. And then they are forced to, and I went through this myself where you're forced to wrestle with your own masculinity because you feel like you're not providing for your family. You're not taking care of them. So it just, to me, it seems so sad that that's what has to happen. I had to explain to this woman that here's the thing. There are women in this world that like to be taken care of. And I, my wife is one of them, which is why she chose to marry an asshole like me. She, she likes that I handle all the finances. She likes that I take care of and she gets everything that she wants. And I poked this bear a little bit more. She was like, Well, what do you mean you call the shots? And I gave the example. I said, Well, because I handle all of the finances, uh, if Natalie wants to go out to lunch, she needs to kind of ask my permission. And it's not a. And see, then again, everybody jumps to the idea that she needs my permission like I have her. She, you know, Instantly, everybody imagines her in a homemade floral print dress that she got from a fabric store and her hair's up in a bun and uh, she's completely oppressed. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, realistically, my wife, in my opinion, has it pretty good. We all would like to piss in the fountain, I'm sure, and exchange spots with our spouses at some level, especially if one of you is the one at home taking care of the kids, which I'll get to at a later point. But... Is it, that's a great question. Uh, Dave in the chat room just said, is it to ask or is it to inform? And here's what I say to that. It is both. It is both. To say, is it to ask or is it to inform is, is to me using some kind of, you know, bullshit, dance around the subject, euphemistic language. Because the reality is that there are there are consequences to everything. Okay? My wife gets to go through life not having to really worry or stress about her future or her current financial situation, which is why I like to joke is why I have all the fucking gray hair and look so fucking ugly and she looks fucking amazing and everybody thinks she's, uh t- you know, 15 years younger than I am even though we're the same fucking age because she and that's what comes with it. Now, yes, it has more to do with genetics. I'm not stupid, but my point is that's just what she likes. She's even gone to a therapist to talk about how we would used to fight over money all the time. And he, he pointed out to her, he's like, but yeah, but you don't really want to know, do you? And she's like, not really. Because the fact is, if she wanted to sit down with me and go through the budget and figure out the plan, I would, of course, do that. But you don't get to not be invested, right? And then also do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody gets to do that. That's not how it's supposed to work, because then all of a sudden it's not fair to me. But what I find so interesting about this is that everybody is so quick to jump in and judge my relationship with my wife. And I feel like, why? Why do you care? My wife is not oppressed. My wife literally gets to announce to the heavens things that she would like, and then she has a very nice, loving man who uh, provides that for her. And the reason I bring this up is given the other subject is that maybe that's why I do it. Like, here's the thing. I'll shoot straight with you. I know my wife is beautiful, but that's not why I love her. Okay. Sure. Is she absolutely amazing to have sex with? I will never argue that. Oh my God. It is. I feel like I'm in a movie every time it happens. Like, I just don't understand how lucky I am. And ladies, I'm telling you, all of your husbands feel the exact same way we so if you're if you're walking around with your head held slightly low in any way shape or form please put that bullshit behind you because that's exactly what it is it's absolute bullshit every single one of your men are so happy to be there uh even if you feel like he's not in the mood all the time it has more to do with his uh insecurity about being able to perform and and live up to what you guys are able to pull off in in the sack i guarantee you it's that okay but here's my point i get that she is hot but beyond hot, my wife works hard. My wife gets me. My wife has the same values that I have. My wife is an excellent mother. There is no one in this world that I have ever seen, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying that I've seen that can walk home from having the shittiest day at work and can just walk in the door and just be a mom like that. Because all the books I've read and all the online blogs and articles I've read, you know, when when so-and-so comes home from work, you need to let them have a little bit of decompression time before they can jump in. And she's never needed that. Sure, she's had moments where she's lost her shit. I, you know, everybody does. But for the most part, she comes in and she's just so happy to see her kids. She fucking, you know, she makes bacon and waffles and uh, from scratch and stuff like that. And it, now, Again, I, my fear is, maybe this is my own insecurity, my fear is that by me saying that, that I'm implying that people out there that aren't doing that are not as good. And that's not, I I, I want to make it clear. That is not my point. My point is that for me, that's my point. For me, these are little things that I find adorable, that I find endearing, and that they are just further proof of why I am head over heels in love with that woman. So what I want to do because of who I am, not about who everybody else wants me to be, but because of who I am, what I want to do is I want to take care of her. I want to give her everything that I can, but... There's a part of that because of who she is. I've said it on the show before. If my wife was by herself, she would be having the time of her fucking life, but be broke as all get out. And if I was by myself, I would have all the money in the world, but would be miserable because all I would do is work and stress about how I could get more money and work harder. And so together, she teaches me to appreciate what I've worked for and to live in the moment and has loosened me up a lot and then i help rein her in a little bit and not be so impulsive and learn that you have to have control and regulation and focus with your finances that's the balance that we create it's not abusive and i i take offense to the fact that people that people assume that i am rude or that i am that it is abuse to her just because i say things like i call the shots and what's wrong with that What's wrong with having a guy who calls the shots? What's wrong with having a woman that calls the shots? See, that's the other thing that people, I think, jump to that conclusion. I'm not saying because that that is the I think a more stereotypical and it's a comedic thing where it's like the man feels like he's in charge. But really, it's the woman operating him like a puppet. And that's not the case. But that does not mean that I do not need my wife. That does not mean that I do not lean on my wife. To me, and it's, because, as I've said here before, it's, I think my love language is acts of service. The service that she provides me is a tremendous level of companionship. And, uh, she, she gives me a fun, a fun person to hang around. There's nothing that makes me happier than watching her laugh. And she laughs at the most sick and disgusting things. She loved that movie Sausage Party, which I love too, but it's vulgar and disgusting. And I love that about her. And what I, so there, there is always a, a quid pro quo. There's a give and there's a take. And the take I get is her being by my side. And the thing that I give is I take care of her in the best way I know how. And the, the thing that I think is even uh, to me more interesting and what I th- would wish people would ask more about instead of jumping to the conclusion of me being a chauvinistic asshole to my wife is that uh, the conversation never goes to is that even when she was earning the majority of the money, I still called the shots, which is exactly how it was with my grandparents. My grandfather worked. My grandmother didn't really. She had a, like part time jobs. She would do seamstress type work for people and friends and stuff and make a little cash. But she called the shots financially. And that was fine by them. And we never seem to have any kind of problem with that. But for some reason, we get all weirded out like it's uh, oppressive to be able to say, listen, I call the shots. My wife says, hey, can I go to lunch with my friends? Is that cool? And I never said no. That's the other thing. Nobody's nobody's follow-up question is, do you ever tell her No. No. You, I mean, I could count on less than half of my hand the amount of times that I've said no. Most of the time I will say to her, if it's not a good idea financially, we're doing okay now. But there was a time when we were super fucking broke and I would say to her, I would say, hey, uh, it's not a good idea. We're over budget on dining out. But if this is an important thing to you and you need it, by all means, go. Because that's what she gets out of it. What she gets out of it is that then she gets to decide, yeah, I really need this, but she never has to worry about the consequence. I'm the one who figures out the bottom line. Now, here's why I bring all this up. I had another conversation with uh, a more distant friend of mine, uh, and it was interesting, and I think it's something that we all can relate to because we've all been there, because I brought it up with my circle of mom friends that I hang out with after school, and it really struck a nerve, and I wanted to talk about it here on the show, is his wife is uh, is having a rough go and uh, she's a stay-at-home mom and i'm doing a lot of speculating here uh, because i did not talk to her to be honest with all of you but uh i'm doing a lot of speculating is that i feel like when you hang out with really really young kids especially i haven't gotten there with the older kids mine are eight and five but when you're around like the toddler and baby age it's kind of hard for you to find something that's mentally stimulating. You know what I mean? It's hard for you. And, 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 and if you don't have like a circle of friends that said, or even if you do, I mean the majority of your day is spent hanging out with a flesh slug and constantly giving. And that's why we have moments of the week and not weeks of the week is because a lot of times as a parent, you have these very small moments that kind of recharge your batteries and you rely on them. And it's a weird thing because you can't really expect the kid to recharge your batteries. That's, that's bullshit. But I think any one of us, hopefully, and if not, great. All the more power to you. But we have these moments where we struggle. And you can accidentally, unknowingly, kind of slide into a, a miniature depression. I don't want to trivialize people who are actually depressed or experience postpartum. That's not what I'm describing. I'm describing a momentary phase of sadness because you are so sleep-deprived. And so much of your life is taking care of this other person. And you are disconnected from your love in a lot of ways because sometimes unknowingly you become uh, partners raising uh, a person as opposed to people who love each other because so little becomes about you. And it becomes such a quick shock, such a quick change, that you can oftentimes not be prepared for it. And I think that there isn't a person listening to the show that hasn't come out of that or maybe went through it and realizes like, but that's the gig, right? Nobody, I'm not trying to say that the gig is not, what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to say that the gig shouldn't be that. When you make a person, you, you are obligated to have your life kind of revolve around that person. And I, I should put more of an emphasis on kind of, there needs to be an element of self-care. I've talked to Rachel Gibbs about that on this show. You have to be able to take care of yourself, but you don't get to dictate really when that happens. That can be part of the challenge is what I'm saying. And so I think in my humble opinion, I think that this guy didn't quite get it because it's really hard when you're not the person who's at home taking care of the kids. It's, it's kind of hard for you to completely relate. That's why I always joke about the peeing in the fountain and everybody needs to change places because it's not just male or female. That's what I learned. I'm a dude and when Jack was born and uh, and was a baby, it sucked, man. It it genuinely sucked ass. It was so difficult that if I I think if I wasn't doing the show, this show during that time and couldn't laugh a lot of it I laughed with Bill about on the show, It would be really rough. And it was really rough. I had my Thelma and Louise moment where I was so tired. I honestly thought, I am so miserable. I'm going to ruin every other person in this family's life if I don't leave. Because I'm just going to suck them down into my own pit of misery. And there's got to be another guy out there who's so much more capable. Because I think we all kind of imagine that everybody else is doing so much better than we are. Because nobody really talks about it, honestly, about the struggle. Because it's kind of intimate. It's kind of hard to find a group of friends that you could just be that transparent and go, I want to fucking choke my child. I mean, imagine the weight that comes with that statement. If you just blurted that out after school, one day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I told my friend, I said, you know, listen, buddy, I said, she's, she's kind of bummed out because she wants to be a mom and she, you love the kids, but you need a break from the kids. But then you feel like if you want to be especially a stay-at-home mom, if that's your ambition, and then you've got a husband who's out working hard uh, for you to be able to do that, uh, you can't feel good about wanting to take a break. It it, it creates a downward spiraling kind of guilt, shame, depression thing. And uh, so his solution... Was that when he comes home, he's like, you know, I take over. I I help out with the kids and everything. And I go, listen, man, I've been there. And here's what I could tell you. I could tell you that it's not just about, I don't know. It's not just about tagging them out at the end of the day. Because that becomes more about being a necessity than it is about being a help. And what I said to him is, I said, you need to, you need to go to your wife on, uh, on your day off, right? You need to either wake up with the kids or whatever. You could gently wake her up. But what you need to do is you need to look her in the eyes and you need to tell her how beautiful she is and how much you appreciate this. And what I'm saying that to him is I'm not saying these are, I'm not, you know... Uh, What's uh, Cyrano de Bergerac? I, I think is uh, Roxanne is the movie I always think of with Steve Martin. You know, what I mean? I'm not saying say these lines. I'm saying that you need to, you need to say to her what you feel, because if you and this is why I want to bring this up on the show because this is a show for dads, and I think more often than not there are dads that are out there listening to this, and I think that if if you in any way see any kind of struggle in your lovely lady. That This is something that you should do, and it's one of the few moments I will get up on a soapbox, and I apologize, but bear with me. You need the the biggest thing when you are the person taking care of the kids by yourself, the biggest thing you crave is appreciation because it is impossible for those little flesh looks, especially if they can't even fucking talk, let alone they don't even have the social awareness to be appreciative. I talked to another mom who's just sent her kid off to college and she went to go visit him for his birthday while he's gone in college. And the poor thing was desperately disappointed. She got it. She understood it to her credit. She's like, I know that he's getting older, but it's just such a sad thing because he didn't care that I was there. And it's a thing that I'm sure that a lot of us are going to have to go through with the whole empty nest thing. It's a real thing. And I, I gloat and boast about how I'm going to be so happy. But to a certain extent, there is going to be a weirdness. Even when the kids go to my parents for a couple of weeks, it's like we talked about on the show. It's, there's a few days where it's like, yeah. And then it's like, man, this is kind of fucking weird. So it's impossible for the little kid to be able to express any kind of appreciation. And it's not on them. It shouldn't be on them. Nobody's saying that. So that's where your job comes in as the partner. You have to communicate and fill that emotional void on behalf of your offspring. You have to go to this person. You have to say, I appreciate you. You are amazing. And then you need to take those children away for at least four hours. And he'd said, well, I do that. I take away for like 45 minutes. I'm like, no, fucker. Four hours because you have to give them the opportunity to not only decompress and deal with the weirdness, but then settle into a groove. Because when you're the homemaker, the first thing you're going to think, well, now I have to get caught up on the shit I haven't done. So there has to be time to do that. Right. And then they're also it's like traveling to a different time zone. You have to deal with the time it takes for you to get used to the fact that there's nobody who's going to be needing anything. You don't have to mash up peas or anything like that. Um, and then they get to relax and chill and here's the key because he said I've done that before but I feel like when she comes back she gets even more stress after the fact like it's a culture shock and he misunder I think I'm speaking for him too I think he misunderstood the fact that it's such a sudden surge when they come back that it's, it's, it's too much and I said no 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 dude here's the thing you need to ensure if you take them to a park you cannot show up with dirty clothes, dirty faces, dirty hands and dirty diapers and hungry kids because that is a fucking culture shock. You need to crush this. You need to have a diaper bag that is pre-packed and you need to make yourself a checklist and you got to figure this shit out. You need to have extra diapers, extra wipes. You need snacks. You need a, And he goes, well, can I bring a change of clothes? I said, you absolutely can bring a change of clothes. You should bring a change of clothes, depending on what you're going to do. But those children need to come in clean, fed, and uh, with fresh diapers, because that means you crushed it, and then there is no guilt, there is no shame. And what absence does, as we all know, is it makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know if he did it. I don't know if it worked. Uh, But uh, tell me. I mean, moms, right into the show. Let me know what you think about that. Because I can tell you, it's not about whether or not you're a mom or a dad. It's about whether or not you are the primary caregiver for the kids or not. That's the fact. Because I'm a dude, and listen, I have some hang-ups about the fact that it's not her fault, and I'm over it now. But when I was very, very young, my mom said... Her and my dad were going on a trip, and I, and I asked them where they're going. They said they're going to Hearst Castle, and I was like, oh, Castle, that sounds great. Can I go? And she's like, no, Mommy needs a break from you. And at the time, I processed that as a kid to think, oh, my gosh, I must be a horrible kid, like a horrible burden. That's not what she meant. Now that I have kids, I get it. But also because of that perspective, I honestly, honestly, I don't necessarily crave breaks from my children. And when they do go I feel bad. When we have a date night, I still kind of feel bad that I want to go away from them. And so when you're the primary caregiver for the kid, I think you're naturally going to feel a little guilty because it is kind of a weird thing. It's a weird thing to have this thing that you have a chemical reaction to love so dearly, and yet you need to be away from it in order to feel sane and like a regular person. And, that, and, and you add on top of that the social stigma that everybody else around you in the world seems to be just crushing it. Or there never seems to be, a, in my opinion, a middle ground. There's either the lady who's crushing it or there's the, the lady who is like, you know, that kid's going to get neck tattoos. Or, you know, I don't know. Whatever the thing is now. You know what I mean? It used to be your daughter's stripping, but I don't know. So I'm getting up too much on a soapbox. But I would appreciate it if you want to send me an email, show at the dadpodcast.com just to let me know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, so we're going to take another what may or may not be. Um, oh, just because I had a mom weigh in in the chat room. Yes, packing the diaper bag ahead of time is a big thing. I told him, I said, pack it the day before so that when you wake up, you're locked and loaded. Because I think also the other thing, guys, if you're listening, oh God, I don't, I hate it when I sound heavy-handed. So I apologize if I also keep saying this disclaimer. It's my own bullshit. I'm sorry. But when you get up with the kids, you got to remember these ladies, man, they got super fucking hearing. I don't even, my, it's what's even weirder about it is I get up at two 30 in the morning now to go to work. I don't know if you heard, I got a full-time job. I'm a big deal, but, um, I, we have hardwood floors that are made from like the forties. So it fucking creaks. I put shims and I try and find them every so often, but there's still, it's going to, a new one pops up and my wife can sleep through me walking around in the room outside the house. But one of those kids makes a huh? noise and she's wide awake. It's just, it's fucking, it's biology. You can't fight it. So you can't have the kids even talking in the same house and expect her to get rest unless she's got a few margaritas in her. That's, I think, the only way you could do it. You have to numb those senses. So, uh, and ladies or dads, if you're listening, if you're the caregiver, let go, uh, try. I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. But let go of the fact that, just find comfort in the fact that you need a break. And then it's good. It's going to make you, uh, I can tell you, as a guy who used to leave his family, a lot. And it was hard. It uh, Wow. It's, it still gets me, the idea of remembering those times when I would be gone and away from them. And it uh, it's so much better now that I don't have to travel. I miss, to a certain extent, I miss telling jokes and making people laugh. I love stand-up. I love, I love it so much. But you know what I love more is I love my wife and my kids. That's the God's honest truth. All right. Enough of you uh, fucking maudlin, heavy-handed bullshit. Uh, Here's what may or may not be a commercial break. All right. Uh, Let's see. What's the other... Oh, I want to tell this quick story, then we're going to do a quick brain food. And let me know if you guys uh, love or hate the brain food thing. I think it's fun. Just to have a little tidbit of info. And this one actually happens to be family and marriage related. But uh, my wife's birthday is a few days before Jacob's. And I want to tell you guys this quick story. It's kind of a moment of the week, but I have other ones. Um, as well, and it, uh, it cracks me up because we went. She wanted to go out. She wanted to go. She likes to go out to eat for her birthday. So I had a plan, and I'm not. Birthdays aren't a big deal to me personally, so I have to make sure that because she does a little bit of the countdown thing, but it also has taken a backseat to Jacob's birthday because it's so close to her birthday. And so I tried a plan, but it's like now I go to bed at seven o'clock and her birthday falls on a weekday. She didn't get the day off. There's we're not those people who take the day off. I wouldn't be bothered if she did, but that's just not who we are. So I had a plan, her favorite Mexican food place. I was going to take her there for lunch. She asked if Jack and I could uh, take her because Jack gets out early because of kindergarten. I said, sure. And then I made arrangements to also pick up Jacob so it could be a nice little family thing that she could have. And then I knew I would have to stay up late and we were going to go out to dinner someplace but I didn't know exactly where her favorite place to eat is an Italian place here in town. But she's also, as you've heard me say, I might divorce her over this is the, the gluten thing has been an issue for her. Sometimes if she has like uh, pizza or pasta right before she goes to bed, like it really upsets her stomach. And I don't know if it also happens during the day, but it seems to only happen, especially when she has dinner. So I was like, well, I don't want to plan to go to this nice Italian place uh, when it's going to upset her stomach. So maybe I'll make arrangements over the weekend, yada, yada, yada. So I kind of had a plan, but I, she likes surprises. So I made a plan. Also, I call the shots because I'm a chauvinistic pig. And I don't like her making her own decisions. But, <laughs> so anyway, I said, hey, this is what I was thinking for lunch. And then, and then she, you know, unintentionally fucks up my entire plan. She goes, oh, well, the Mexican food place my friends are taking me at work there a few days later. So now mind you, she has this place fucking four times a week sometimes. So it's not, but anyway, she said, Oh, they're going to go there so we could go someplace else, which fucked up my dinner plans. Cause there's only really one other place that she likes to go, which is Outback. Cause we're that classy. So then, uh, we decide where did we end up going for, uh, lunch? I can't remember. Anyway, night before I wake up at 2.30 in the morning to go to work, day of her birthday, and there is a a little calendar alert that she had added to a calendar that we share so we can keep up to date on appointments for the kids and all that stuff on both our phones that she had made reservations to the Italian place. And so there's a part of me that kind of felt like a dick because maybe I didn't pull my weight, but I had intended to do it. But the best part is now we're taking kids to this nice Italian place. And it's a place that you could get like a meat sauce and a regular pasta. And our kids like blue cheese dressing and crabs. So it's, you, know, you feel like it's going to be okay. Well, we get there and uh, they bring the bread and the olive oil. And, you know, you do the olive oil and the balsamic vinegar and you dip the bread in it. So we're doing that. Natalie and I like that. Jacob says, well, I want to try it. And it's been so long since we've experienced this with him. They were like, sure. So and he put a little too much balsamic, I think, on his little saucer. And so he dips the bread and he puts it in there. And Jacob has a very, very weak gag reflex. So he starts doing the whole whole. <laughs> and he just is like, this is awful. He can't stand the taste of the balsamic vinegar. And I just felt so bad for my wife. Like nothing can really just work out for this poor chick, man. And it's to me, it's such an example of what. Parenting is. Like you just even when you try to have a good time, oftentimes it just doesn't work out. Like when we went on vacation and we're literally getting frisky and all of a sudden he yaks in the hotel couch bed. And then five minutes later, I mean, we're getting we're we're really close ramping up to getting hot and heavy in a hotel room. That's some hot stuff. And five minutes later, all the kids are in bed and it's like we're the fucking uh Beverly Hillbillies or the Waltons, or I can't pull a reference where everybody's sleeping in the same bed. But anyway, so he's doing the whole and he's like and he was such a trooper because he, he had a thing where he would just spit the food out onto his plate. And I told him, you can't do that at a restaurant. It doesn't bother me because I got fucking kids. I've been shat on. But there are other people. They can't ruin their nice dinner at a nice Italian place. So he's choking down Sprite just to get this uh, bread in his mouth. And I don't know. I thought that was funny. So let's do a little uh, brain food. Think that makes you go. Hmm. You want brain food. I did not know that. And knowing is half the battle. Brain food? What, what exactly does that mean? Things uh, that make Things that make you go make you go Things make This is actually something that I'm sure a lot of you may know. I didn't know it, but it came up in our, uh, in what I like to call now the mom circle that I hang out with, where, uh, do you, does anybody know why we have the tradition of a bride carrying a bouquet to the wedding because it's not just so you could throw it and have somebody catch it and then they're supposed to be the next one to get married. I never knew this until she mentioned it as like, oh, hey, did you know this? And I looked into it and turns out this mom is absolutely correct. Back in the 15th century, most people got married in the month of June. And the reason they would get married in the month of June, which you probably didn't know, is because they would take... Their annual baths in May. So the bouquet uh, is because you probably stank on your wedding. So be on the safe side. Uh, They would give you this uh, bouquet of flowers that would smell really, really nice. There was also the convention of holding a handkerchief over your nostrils. Um, And that was a but here's the other thing that I thought was interesting about the annual baths. It's going to be a quick brain food, but. Uh, The annual baths themselves consisted of a big tub of hot water. The man of the house got the nice, hot, clean water. Then all of the other male members of the household from sons to servants, followed by the lowly women and, last of all, the baby. Now, listen, I just did about 20 minutes of how I'm a chauvinistic prick and I call the shots, but uh, listen, I don't even think, even if I lived then, it's, it must be such a weird thing because I can you imagine like I don't care what social conventions exist and I, I'm, I'm curious to see what we have now. I'm assuming it's probably like a lot of the, the crap we give to like transgender seems to be a big issue and uh, homosexual uh, uh, gay marriage is another one that really sets people off. Like, 40 years, I guess that's the only thing I can think of, that people look back and go, what the fuck were you thinking? But it's like, how could you seriously, realistically, because even then, I mean, there was a certain time, I think, during the renaissance where guys dressed like fucking peacocks and were, you know, dressier or as dressy as women. Uh, Yeah, they were as dressy. They're there's fucking mechanics to women getting into dresses. Like there was feats of engineering happening to women getting into dresses and carrying them around. And yet you still think that that person should have a less clean bath than you. Cause realistically, I think if, if, especially if I'm having Sessy time with a lady, I would much rather, she is much cleaner than I am. And that's, you know, but at the same time, I also want to be clean for the sake of her, I guess. I I just don't know how you could get over that. And then, but also the servant dude, you know what I mean? The guy who scoops up the horse shit in the barn, what does he need to smell good for? He should not be getting a bath that's cleaner than your wife. That's just crazy. Maybe this is just uh, some part of the thing I'm not understanding here, but that's what it says. Then the lowly woman. And then the last of all was the baby. And by that time, the water was so filthy that you couldn't see into it. Uh, and, and Tiny Tots could actually get lost in it, hence the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, so that is why, for anybody who is living in sin and has already had a child, although we do have some people that uh, do not have kids that for whatever reason like to listen to the show, when you walk down the aisle, you will carry that bouquet of flowers that you probably paid 1200 fucking dollars for, uh, not as an ornament or an accessory, but because you are sending out the message to everyone there that you stink and that you need those flowers to smell pretty. And now, moment of the week. You made them. You love them. And sometimes you want to choke the living shit out of them. But occasionally they give you that one sweet moment. This is that moment of the week, brought to you by Stitcher, the free app that handles all your podcasting needs without having to sync to your computer. Stream all your favorite podcasts right to your Droid, Blackberry, or iPhone. Just go to the dadpodcast.com and click on the Stitcher logo on the left-hand side. It's free, people, and they give us money if you do it. That's interesting. Uh, Mrs. Denver Drew just said in the chat room that minus the servants thing, it's still the tradition in Japanese households, except that now everyone washes before soaking in the hot water. Oh, can you, I, listen, how can you be a civilization or a culture of honor and shame and still be totally fine uh, with you bathing before your wife? Like, maybe that's just me and my my dumb American brain, you know, wrapping around like if. If I had to take a bath before my wife, chivalry is dead. Like, to me, the definition of a man is that I slightly care less about that stuff. Like, you know, you shouldn't be a pig. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. But I don't know. Come on. Uh, I want to do Jack first. And this is from a while ago. Jack has started kindergarten. And I was, uh, Natalie sent me this email that I was at while I was at work. And the subject says, you would be so proud of Jack. And she could not be... More correct on that. Uh, there were two little girls that uh, were in his class, and it's the first week of school, and they were crying. These two little girls were crying. One girl, the poor, I feel bad for the dad. The dad dropped the girl off, and the girl was so new to school, like, I think he dropped her off, walked her up, and then assumed she was going to leave, and then did the turnaround, bolt back to the car, and then she turned around, saw he wasn't there, and didn't know where she was supposed to be, and just was sitting there crying crying uh the usual yard duty i guess i don't know what she was doing but it was nobody knew all of a sudden natalie walks up with jack and there's this little girl crying in the parking lot and so she goes are you okay and jack goes she's in my class and so natalie goes oh do you know jack and she's like uh. she's like what's wrong she goes my dad just left and so natalie kind of politely explains her. she's like oh he didn't leave you you it's time to go to school or whatever and she goes i don't know where to go though and uh jack said uh, i could take you the kid's 5 and he's my asshole. He's supposed to be my prick kid. Uh, and then there's a dad who overheard, and his daughter was crying, overheard that they said he's, she's in Miss Casella's class with me. That's his teacher's name. And uh, she goes, oh, you're in that class too. Can my daughter walk with you? And so he's crying. So my son held these nice two young ladies' hands that were upset and calmly walked them to the line and escorted them to the class. And that, to me, is top-notch. That, to me, is a little, little pat on the back. He gets it. Like I said, he's my asshole kid. He's supposed to be my prick. Uh, Jacob, it's it's not so much a, a special moment, but it's, it's very interesting. Natalie, this, this happened to me today. Today's his eighth birthday, so he no longer needs a car seat. And Natalie sent me a picture. And it's just, I don't know how to put it. There's something about watching that boy grow up maybe it's because he's my first son I don't know if any of you have like an eldest daughter and it's different but I would be lying if I didn't say there was a slightly different relationship and not, maybe age doesn't have to do with it maybe it's just more that each kid is different and each person is different it's not necessarily a more or less or a favorite or anything like that although I still stand by my dad's theory that there's always one of them that's pissing you off slightly more than the other one and right now it's Jack's turn uh, he's being a little difficult uh, at moments, but um, there's something about watching him just grow up and seeing him in that uh, minivan seat without a car seat that just kind of goes, "Oh man, look at him!" And I, you flash back like a like a cheesy asshole of watching him as a baby, and I, it was I kind of had that first moment, not quite the way people describe it, where they say, "You know, cherish these moments because they go by so fast." It's not that I hearken back and miss the days of him being a you know baby in diapers. I don't I don't do that, but I I do look at the old pictures differently now of him just looking just so fucking adorable as a as an 18-month-old and I remember him, you know, walking around carrying screwdrivers with me while we're fixing stuff at the apartment building and it's just really sweet to watch him grow up and he has made us, we, we, I was, I'm a Niner fan. I I should say, I guess was, is that now that the Rams have come back to Los Angeles, he is like full gun ho I don't know how long it's going to last, but there it's cool to have a hometown team. And so we're watching, then we're watching hard knocks and he wants to play football. And, um, he, uh, he likes watching the coaches and he's a pretty sensitive kid. But he really, he really likes watching the guys yell at them. And I think he gets why they yell at them. And uh, I, again, not really a cute moment, not really a touching moment per se. But for me, there's an element of seeing your son only be eight years old and feeling like you get a little bit of a glimpse of the man that he will be as he gets older. Like Jacob's always been the kid who gets it. So I find that very, very touching. Uh, All right. So here's the last bit of thing I will tell you is that it looks like because of the my work schedule and stuff like that, I'm going to do an experimental thing that uh, maybe no bueno for a lot of you that like to listen to the show live. If you don't listen to the show live ever, uh, this may not affect you. But I think it's going to be easier for me to start recording episodes on Saturday mornings just because I don't have to worry about picking up kids from kindergarten and all that stuff. And maybe after Jack is done with kindergarten, all that'll change again. I don't know. But I'm going to try to shoot for uh, Saturday morning being my record time. And uh, we'll get back with Rachel Gibbs. Uh, you know, Dr. J unfortunately had something come up. I think I said that. That's why we haven't done an episode with him, but I haven't given up on them. I, I love having them on the show and I think you guys love them too. But uh, yeah, Saturday mornings is when we'll start recording again. You could follow us at mixlr.com slash dad podcast. It's a free app. You can get on your phone. Or you could do it via the web and you just sign up. All they ask us for an email and password and they only email you. Uh, sometimes they don't even do that. <laughs> when I go live, they will send you an email that says, hey, they're going live. Uh, and I think that is it. So give us a like at facebook.com slash dad podcast. All the social media handles that you need for Twitter and all that are in the description of this episode. If you have any desire to interact with me, that is a great way to do that. If you have questions for Dr. J, our resident pa- pediatrician. Or Rachel Gibbs, our resident sex and family therapist. Shoot those in to show at the dadpodcast.com. Uh, and I think that's it. Oh, at the bottom of uh, dadpodcast.com is a new Amazon banner. So make sure you click through that when you're buying stuff for this coming Christmas season. And I think that's it. So this is Justin Warsham saying hug your kids, hump your loved ones, and stay frosty, my friends.